Good morning. Peace be with you. It's a little chilly uh, up here in the north part of this county. In, uh, we, uh, David and I, on our drive up this morning, the sun was out in, in our particular uh, area. That's amazing how just a short, say, 15 miles can change uh, the overall look, but thank you for being here. It's good to see you, and and uh, let's get started with our announcements here. If you would take out this out of your bulletin, a couple of things that I would like to bring to your attention that during this time during COVID, it is still very much important to be uh, connected uh, with people and connected with the church, and we have those opportunities. We have Sit and Be Fit, and we are still doing that every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., and people are uh, uh, distanced in appropriate ways, and it's a good time of fellowship and exercise. And then after that, on Tuesdays, we have started a Bible study on um, the book of Luke, and uh, we would uh, love to have you come if you would uh, consider that. We meet at uh, noon, and um, there's a book that the church is providing for you. Bring, a, bring your own lunch, and we just sit and snack and, and uh, study the, the book of Luke. So come. Tuesday evening is another opportunity to uh, be with others uh, via Zoom. And if you would like to be a part of that Bible study, that Bible study is based off of the weekly devotionals from Portals of Prayer. And we can do that, uh, get you all set up if you let Ashley know uh, your desire to do it. Also, your most current uh, uh, email address, and we'll send you an invite. And we start at 7. We get finished at about 8, and it's a nice time as well. And then for the men in here, uh, it's important, I believe, and I know, and have tested and proven it, or else I wouldn't tell you that it's important. That is for men to be around other men. And uh, we don't sing little songs or hold hands, although I guess you could if you wanted to. Uh, but we get together on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, and we study the Bible uh, using, again, the, the portals of prayer uh, for each week. And uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, fellowship with other men, to, uh, to hear the Word of God, to learn the Word of God, and then... If you're not careful, you might end up golfing once a week with these guys too. So uh, there's lots of opportunities for everyone, and I hope you take advantage of that. And if that still doesn't meet your needs, you can always call me. I do make house uh, visits if you'd like. I wear a mask, wash my hands. I can bring communion to you and all those things. I just really don't want anyone to feel alone. That's not a good thing. So please, uh, you aren't alone. Christ is with you, of course, and your pastor can be too, all right? So with that, let us get started with our service this morning, our opening hymn, I'm Standing.
come together this morning 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, keep your family, the church, continually in the true faith that relying on the hope of your heavenly grace, that we may ever be defended by your mighty power through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It says here, I was supposed to say, good morning. But I can also say, greetings. I can also say, this is the day the Lord has made. And glad in it. There we go. Thank you. All right. First reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40 verses 21 through 31, and it can be found on page 1120 in your pew Bible, or maybe in another page in another Bible. But it's there. It's the Word. So Isaiah, most of you know, the name Isaiah means the Lord saves. As we read, we'll find out a little bit more about what this really means because at the time of this reading that I'm going to be doing, there's a lot of idolatry running rampant, and Isaiah uses some sarcasm in the beginning of this read. He then reminds the people of God's creation of the world, and he is the one true God and is everlasting and is there for the weak and the weary. Let's read it. Do you know, do you not know, have you not heard, as an, 
not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now we'll look at Psalm 147, 1 through 11. Here, they speak about the praises, the praise of God, the creator of, of his, of all. Talks about his special mercies that he's given to Israel and that we all really need to put our hope in his unfailing love, all of us. Let's read together Psalm 147. I'll begin with the first verse. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise and make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, 
nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord, the Lord delights in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. The next reading will be uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 27. Uh, this is the first book of Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 16 through 27, found in your pew Bible on 1781. Where, we, where we're talking about here is the rights of the apostles. Paul says he makes, his self, makes himself a slave to everyone and his reward is preaching the gospel and doesn't need anything else. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. Do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will, they do, they do it to get a crown, excuse me, that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that I have preached to others. I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Alleluia. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, from the first chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, and can be found on page 1553 in the Pew Bible. Mark 1, 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her. He took her hand, and he helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him, and they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel continues where last week's gospel left off. You may remember from last week when I kept saying it's not new, not new message, but maybe a new way of us hearing that message and also the importance that it's not the messenger but the message. Last week we read that Jesus had removed a demon from one of the members in the synagogue in Capernaum. He had also been teaching about the kingdom of God in that synagogue, and the people were really impressed, and mostly they were marveling at his authority. Jesus selected the town of Capernaum as the headquarters, if you will, of his ministry, 
And we know that Jesus had grown up in Nazareth. And most of the people in that day, they knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. And you ever wonder why he didn't preach in Nazareth, spend time in his hometown? Well, let me take you to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, found on page 1560 of your Bible uh, in the pew. You don't have to go to that. You can hear me now. But Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Verse 2 says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Then he goes on to say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus moved on to Capernaum. Now, also from last week's gospel, we learned that it was Jesus' custom to teach in the synagogues on the Sabbath. He also learned that one of the members of the synagogue tried, or we learned uh, to, um, that the, well, the demon-possessed man tried to interrupt his teaching because a demon was possessing him. And John, uh, excuse me, Jesus exercised the demon and he demonstrated his power and his authority in front of everybody. And as a result of the exorcism and the power of his teaching, Jesus, we read, became very popular. And as we pick up the story in today's gospel, Jesus has finished his teaching of the gospel in the synagogue. The day is over for him. And so the brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, they apparently worked together and they apparently lived together, and they invited Jesus to come to their home for a meal after a what would seem a long day at the synagogue. Now, they also invited James, and they invited John as well, because this makes sense, since all four of these men were fishermen in Capernaum. So when the day in the synagogue was over, Jesus immediately went to Simon and Andrew's house, along with John and James. Now, if we read carefully, Jesus did not come to Simon's house 
to heal his mother-in-law. Instead, Simon and the others, we read, made Jesus aware of the woman's condition after they had arrived at the house. The text indicates that this woman was unable to get out of bed because her fever was so severe. Has anyone been that sick? You got a fever so bad, you're feeling lousy, and, and maybe you've got a, a meal to prepare and guests coming over. But I digress. We read that even though the Bible doesn't say anything, we can imagine that Simon's wife stayed home from the synagogue to care for her mother that day. And once Jesus learned of the woman's need, he took her by the hand and he helped her up. And we read that the fever was gone immediately. The woman was perfectly healthy in every way. And we know how healthy she was. How? Well, because she immediately began helping her daughter prepare and serve a meal to her healer and four of his disciples. Remarkable. Because there was no convalescence. There was no resting up to regain strength after the fever had left. She simply began to serve. As soon as he touched her hand. Now this woman's fever, stay with me for a minute, this fever is a reminder of the warning that God gave to Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. He said, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Here's the thing. Every instance of disease, every instance of injury, of pain, and death is a reminder that there is sin in this world. These reminders of sin have been our lot ever since Adam and Eve ignored God's warning, and they ate the forbidden fruit. So death and pain and misery are a constant reminder that we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment here in this time and forever in eternity because we're sinners. And in the middle of all of this suffering, the gospel today gives us a new teaching. That is that Jesus proclaimed the salvation he brings by 
reaching out his hand to grasp the fevered hand of Peter's mother-in-law. And as he did this, the fever left. Jesus reversed the curse of sin for a time in this woman's life by making her well. And as he did so, he demonstrated the overwhelming generosity that he has through his salvation. This woman, Peter's mother-in-law, went straight from weakness of fever to the strength of health at the Savior's touch. There was nothing more that could be done for her physical health after the touch because she was already healthy. Now, the quality of his preaching and the exorcism in the synagogue had attracted a lot of attention, and I told you that. He became very popular. That's why I say there were a lot of fans back then of Jesus. There are today. There's not as many followers. And so he garnered attention, and it had been a long, busy Sabbath day when he went to Peter's house, and yet there was more to do, because as soon as sun went down, that was the end of the Sabbath, the town brought it sick, and it's demon-possessed over to Peter's house in order to receive healing from Jesus. Oh boy, can you imagine that? The whole town showing up to your house? Well, that's what they did. And Jesus worked late into the night to heal everyone who came. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law as well as the healing of the townspeople shows us the nature of God's generosity. He does not do anything halfway. Everything he does is complete. Everything he does is perfect and abundant. And there was no recuperation time, no days of bed rest to gain strength. The curse of sin was gone for a time. And Jesus described God's generosity in this phrase that we read in Luke 6, 38, where he says, Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over is God's generosity, his blessing. He doesn't short the pot. It's full, overflowing. Physical healing, although it really was part of Christ's ministry, was not the main reason that the Son of God took on human nature and came into this world. That would be like treating the symptoms of a disease while ignoring the underlying cause. Jesus came into this world to get at the root of the problem. 
He came to defeat sin and death and the devil. And he did this with the ultimate demonstration of his love and generosity. You see, he offered up his holy and his precious blood through his innocent suffering and death. And with this sacrifice, he reached out his hand, not just to one mother-in-law, to all people he reaches his hand out. And the hand that reached out and drove out a fever, that same hand touches us and drives out the eternal death of sin. And when we consider our Lord's suffering and his death on the cross, we consider the ultimate cure for the cause of all that is wrong in this world. The ultimate cure of sin. Christ's resurrection from the dead on the third day, it gives us the assurance that his cure was and is complete. That his cure is indeed perfect and abundant. There is nothing that we need to do because God has done it all. That is to say, in order for us to be saved, there are no good works that we need to do. There is no commitment of really trying harder. There is no special prayer we can say or not say. There is nothing that we can do, nothing to improve our relationship with God. Why? Because it's already perfect through Christ. And sadly, hear me now, sadly, there are people who refuse to believe this. They are like people who would draw their hand away from Jesus reaching his hand out. They'd pull it away. You could say if Peter's mother-in-law had pulled her hand back from Jesus and refused the healing, she probably would have died from the fever. She is described as being that sick. And in a similar way, people who, people who refuse to believe Jesus' eternal gift of salvation will pass into a realm of eternal punishment. It's just that simple. Now, on the other hand, as I look out at you, are those who believe and receive the gift of salvation. That salvation is very different from the physical healing that Jesus gave in today's gospel. All the people Jesus healed back then, they eventually died. Even people that Jesus raised from the dead, like Lazarus, and the widow's son, they did die again. The salvation that Jesus worked for us on the cross 
has no such limit. The work that he perfectly worked for us on the cross is forever. It is for eternity. Now we know that Jesus could not stay in Capernaum with his message. He was put on earth. He descended down to earth to spread this message among all people of Israel. And when he ascended into heaven so that he could be with all of his people all of the time, he passed the mission on to his followers. And they were not only to share this message with all of Israel, but they were to share this message with the entire world, the Great Commission. Through the church, the Holy Spirit has spread this message through the ages and out over the miles. This message has been shared down through the generations, and now it belongs to us, this message of Jesus belongs to you and it belongs to me. And our response in our gratitude for this precious gift of knowledge of salvation that we are in turn obligated to learn as much of the message through study and through prayer and through hearing the word as much as we can so that we can tell it to others. So we can tell it to our children and our children's children and their children. Let us learn all that we can of Jesus' teaching. I implore you so that we can in turn tell those teaching to others. Our loved ones who are now at the Savior's side in heaven, they can no longer communicate with us. If they could, they would want us, I am convinced, they would want us to know one thing. They would want us to know that our Savior has a place in heaven reserved for us. And that reservation waits for the time when God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom brings an end to our time here on this earth. And so we who trust the person and the work of Jesus Christ, we will join our loved ones in paradise. And together with our loved ones and all the other believers, we will enjoy the eternal happiness of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Please stand if you're able. Let us together confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you for all the blessings you have given us individually and as citizens of our nation as a whole over the past 245 years. Thank you for providing true humility and wisdom to our founding fathers and for guiding the hands who wrote a constitution that has provided an unparalleled structure and philosophy for the conduct of our national and state affairs. We thank you for choosing leaders to establish our country that place the safety and security of our nation and its people before their own self-interests. Lord, we have strayed far off the path to freedom, safety, and security, and are moving, even accelerating, into very dark and difficult times as a result of our greed for power, our lies, deceit, and hate as we have systematically removed you from our daily lives over the past 60 years, we're reaping what we have sown. Although we deserve the troubles we have and there seems to be no end in sight, we continue to dig deeper into the hole we have made. We're too proud or stubborn to put our shovels down. At the rate we're digging, we'll be looking Satan in the eye in hell before we give up. Lord God Almighty, please take the shovels out of our hands and lift us out of this pit. Holy Spirit, we, children of God, thank you for remaining within our hearts and minds and for the comforting thoughts and lessons you provide through Holy Scripture, revelation through our quiet moments and dreams, and for reminding us of Jesus' saving grace even when others ridicule us for our faith. With all the troubles around us, we waver in our trust of the Lord. We should not, but we are sinful, and we do. Please shout your reassurance into our minds and drive out our insecurity. Help us turn aside from those individuals and organizations that would separate us and the governance of our nation from God Almighty. Please humble and publicly humiliate the arrogant, the self-appointed elite, and self-righteous, and other enemies of our country, and of you, Holy Father. Lord, there are those who suffer in our congregation, church members, loved ones, family, and friends. You know their names and their maladies. Please heal them on earth, or if it is your will, heal them in heaven. We know that you will answer our prayers, and we give you thanks for holding our hands and sending us companions and friends to comfort us as we struggle with the loss of loved ones 
knowing by your word that they are indeed not lost, but rather found by your Holy Son, Jesus. Holy Father, we continue to pray for our nation and our state of California. Both are in dire need of your guiding hand. Please lead us away from paths of destruction and suffering. Lord, we often forget how blessed we are, especially when everything appears dark around us, but we don't need to look far to see others who have little when we have much, even during a storm. Help us be generous with others less fortunate with our time, talents, and finances, and to be humble in so doing. Lord, please protect our military, firefighters, paramedics, and other law enforcement officers who serve all of us while facing danger every day to keep us safe. Please comfort the family of the two FBI special agents who were killed this week trying to protect children. We pray for an added measure of peace for our pastor Ken and his family as they mourn the death of Tracy's father this week. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us that we are as sinful before our Heavenly Father as are those whom we criticize in our daily lives. <clears throat> Please keep us from drifting away from our faith in our Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving all who are faithful in your name. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace, responsibly, I guess, for a little longer, at a distance. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and your love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, 
Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. Then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. It is a meal that saves. It is a meal that heals. It is a meal that keeps us from sin, death, and the devil. And it's been set by him for you and for me. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
Well, here we go again, ready to face a new week. Our sins are forgiven. We've been blessed by the Lord with his meal, the meal that saves. We've been given the gospel that was done to us, not by me, although it was kind of like a hostage situation, I realize that. But it was done unto you by the Holy Spirit. May that comfort you. Now, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord look upon, excuse me, make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is, Oh, How Good. It is, and he is. So